0: 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? These are the words of the Apostle Paul. And he's speaking to the church in Corinth, of course, but also speaking to you and I just as much. And he says this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Let's pray together. Father, we cannot conceive how such a brief passage with so few few words can be so powerful and life-changing. Through your Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts right now to understand what you're trying to say to us. And through that, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This morning's message is entitled The Gift of Courage, The Gift of Courage. You know, there's so many pictures I could put on there of military men fighting for their country and, and uh, fighting for the rights, missionaries who gave their life. For you, it might be something simple. Are you a person of courage? Are you courageous? <clears throat> Do you know someone that is? What makes them different? What makes a courageous person different from everybody else? as opposed to a coward or someone who is not courageous. On the subject of courage this morning, I'm not going to try to address those outside of Christianity. There are many secular applications about courage and secular courage. I'm speaking to members of the kingdom of heaven under Christ. What makes courageous men and women different? I understand that the outside world will not understand what I'm about to share with you. And they cannot understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit living their life. Secondly, you need to understand, Paul actually says, excuse me. Sorry, I had a nasty cold this week. I'm, I'm over it, but my throat hadn't quite figured that out yet. So last week we had Father's Day And we talked to our fathers and this sounds like a great Father's Day verse because Paul says, be men of courage. But truthfully, and Paul would tell you this as well, throughout the centuries, many of the most courageous Christians in history have been women and sometimes even children. You don't have to be a man to have courage, amen? You're supposed to have courage. Paul is expecting the men of the church to fight the fight, to make the example for the women and the children, to be men of courage more than anybody else. But all people under the cross of Christ can be courageous. Don't sit out there and think, well, I'm a woman or I'm a child. I I don't have to be courageous. I, I can't have courage. Yes, you can. The Spirit will empower and encourage you. As well. So I'm going to be sharing about courageous faith. This is another kind of courage, a courage given through the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of God. This is for those who have surrendered their lives to Christ, for those who belong to Him, who believe in the truth of God's Word. And if you don't believe in the Bible, the truth of the Bible, the power of the Bible, you don't believe that the Bible is God's Word. Then I don't have a lot for you this morning. Do whatever you want. You're just not going to get this. This is a kind of courage that is only seen through the Spirit of God. The word courageous means to be determined or to make haste or to make strong or mighty. The members of the church in Corinth were in a dilemma. On the one hand, they were spiritually immature. We have seen that. In fact, Paul has shared with them now for 16 chapters and we see what a mess they were and how problematic they were. On the one hand, as they were spiritually mature, they didn't get along, they misused spiritual gifts, they were doctrinally confused about a number of things and yet they had to face a culture that was morally corrupt, hostile to Christianity and they were godless. To stand against that world, to stand for Christ required courage, and Paul knew that they were going to have to be courageous. So he tells them and us four ways in these two sentences how we can be courageous. He does it so briefly, right to the point, and I like that. If you look at our verse for today, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen, he simply says this to them, "'Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong.'" Do everything in love. First, he tells them and tells us to be on our guard. That's not overly complicated. You you should have a pretty clear picture of what that means right off the bat. It means to be watching. It was so easy for doctrinal heresy and the corruption of the world to slip into the church. And it already started doing that in many of the churches, if not most of them, but especially in Corinth. All kinds of heresies. There was this desire because Christianity was so radically different from the culture of the day in Corinth, that Greek Roman culture, so secular, so pagan. And they grew up in it. Everybody in the church, none of them were born in Christian families. It was before the resurrection of Christ. They all grew up in this this secular world and secular mindset where there was debauchery and immorality all around them. And it was just very commonplace. did they think anything of it. And then once they're born of Christ, they find out that's not the way you're supposed to live. <clears throat> and that's a hard thing to go from one world to a completely different reality, a different kingdom, and a different way of thinking. And so as they begin to clean up their lives and the Holy Spirit is convicting them and leading them and growing them, there's the world around them going, what? You're doing what? You're not going to do this? You're not going to go there? You're not going to practice that anymore? And they're saying, no, we're told not to because of Christ. And everybody's saying, why? You can do both. They lived in a polytheistic world where you could follow this God and that God and all of these other gods as well. You don't have to pick just one. That was crazy thinking to them. So he tells us and tells them to be courageous. Be on your guard. They had to constantly be on their guard. And I'm not telling you to be paranoid. (laughs) I don't want you to go home and you're just scared to death of everything you see and everything you hear that that you're just going to be you know, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to live like that. That Christianity is, is not a weight to bear. On the contrary, the yoke has been lifted from us. There's freedom in Christ. We don't to be caught up in, in fact, the world is under a yoke, is under a weight, Jesus would say. Be on your guard. It does mean that we need to be watching out for what's around us. One US soldier described what it was to be on guard. He says, when I was in the US Army, I remembered we had to pull guard duty many times. The purpose of guard duty was to ensure that other soldiers' equipment or areas were protected from the enemy. I can recall that in basic training or boot camp, we had to memorize three general orders and the first one was, I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. He goes on to say that when we were properly relieved, there was a password that was spoken between the person on guard duty and the one that was relieving them. If the improper password was given, you were not properly relieved. The safety of all that was being guarded depended on you. The person on guard duty. If something went wrong or the enemy was able to get access into that which we were responsible for guarding, then you were held accountable and punishment was inevitable. Now I can tell you this. God tells us to be on guard. We're to protect our families. We're to protect our church. We are responsible to guard them. And it's a challenge to do because our families and our children are constantly uh, bombarded with the debauchery of this world and the darkness of this world, the hate of this world. Be on your guard. The second thing he tells them is to stand firm in the faith. Back to our passage for today in chapter 16, verse 13, be on your guard. And he simply says this as though he knows I'm going to be making a good Baptist outline 2000 years later, be on your guard. stand firm in the faith. They go hand in hand. They go together perfectly. Stand firm in the faith. Paul understood that a faith that wavers, that changes uh, due to the pressures of the outside world would ultimately make our faith worthless. If this world pressures you and succeeds in pressuring you or me to abolish our faith or slowly dilute our faith to where it is powerless, then it's got us. And it does it in a very subversive way by telling us, no, 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 you can have your faith, but increase that faith to be all inclusive, and it was the same ideal in the first century. You can follow this God, but follow these other things as well. Stand firm in the faith. What do you think he means by that? There's so many great biblical examples that I could give you of God's people standing firm in their faith throughout their life. If you think about Noah, he had to stand firm in his faith and be ridiculed for a hundred years as he built the ark. Joseph was a slave and a prisoner in Egypt. He stood fearlessly before Pharaoh. He stood firm in his faith. Moses, stepping out into the Red Sea as it parted before him, stood firm in his faith. Samson facing the Philistine army and there was no backup for him but he stood firm in his faith believing that the Spirit of God would protect him and guide him and give him victory David faced Goliath alone an entire army cowering behind him no one willing to face Goliath he did it because God was with him Daniel thrown into the lion's den Never had a moment of fear because he had faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to face the furnace instead of bowing down to the false idol that the king had made. Peter, facing a hostile crowd and unapologetically declaring the greatness of Christ, stood firm in his faith. Paul, standing his ground against the philosophers of the day there in Athens, where nobody or in their right mind would dare stand against those philosophers, Paul successfully did so. But what about us today? Most of us, I would dare say none of us, are facing nine-foot people that are heavily armed and trying to kill you. None of us have gone out to Eagle Mountain Lake and tried to walk over that God says, I want you to walk across the lake and I'll make it part. What, what is it that is causing us to be challenged in our courage in 2023? Well, we are facing daily pressure to quietly end our faith, to com- compromise the word of God, to forget about God, to move on. We're told it's progressive. Every generation's told that, by the way, for thousands of years. Young people, what you're hearing at school is not new. (laughs) It's been told for generation after generation after generation. If you're a student of history at all, you could go back to the 18th century, to the 19th century, the early 20th century, and they all were teaching young people the same thing that they're being taught today. That's primitive, that's old school. We are progressing, we are advancing. Every generation has felt that way. And if God allows us to be here a 1,000 years from now, I promise you, the historians will look back on 2023 and say, man, were they primitive. They weren't progressive at all. They were barbaric in their thinking. Those progressives out there today telling you, hey, we need to move forward and do this and do that, it's just all psychological manipulation. We really haven't learned a lot as a society. I, I don't mean to bash society, but my goodness. So what about us t- today? Even back in 2002, 21 years ago, controversy hit the graduation ceremony for the Holidaysburg Area High School in central Pennsylvania. And this has happened something like this so many times since. A young lady named Shannon Ray was chosen to give the graduation speech. She was the, uh, the victorian. The school asked Shannon to speak about the past and they specifically told her to include how friendships helped her get through high school. That was their focus and they, they wanted that to be her focus, how friendships helped her through high school. They wanted her to talk about other kids in, uh, in her high school that gave her the strength that she needed to get through. But Shannon is a committed Christian and she felt that she could not give the speech without talking about her best friend named Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the school administrators didn't like that. So they censored that part of her speech. They said, no, you you can't talk about him. We want you to talk about your other friends, not talk about your religion. They didn't want to hear about Christ and they actually demanded Believe it or not, they demanded that she not speak about her faith. But Shannon was determined to talk about her Savior, and with courage, she said what her school administrators did not want her to say. Here's part of what Shannon said about Christ in her speech, quote, He, even more so than the people I love, has been there every day never forcing me to do anything, but always encouraging me to stretch my limits and strive for the best he has to offer. His name is Jesus, and he is my greatest friend. Shannon went on to say, It is because of him that I have achieved and succeeded, and no matter how much knowledge Holidaysburg High has bestowed upon me, I would know nothing if I didn't know him. That's someone who was standing up for their faith. And so Paul tells us those two things. Be on your guard and stand firm in your faith. Young people, your parents cannot stand firm in your faith. Only you can do that. And it's going to be pushed on you and pressured on you time and time and time again in the weeks, months, and years ahead. Stand firm in your faith. God can give you the power to do that. Don't give in. The third thing he tells us is simply to be strong. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage. And by the way, if we go to the verse for today, when he says be men of courage, again, he's telling the men of Corinth to do this, to be the model, but all of us are to be people of courage. Men, women, and children. And I think that statement, be men of courage, is the central part of all of this and everything else around it describes how we can be people of courage. So then he says, number three, be strong. That's an interesting directive, be strong. Hypothetically, okay. I mean, I don't think any of us wake up and think, you know, I'd like to be weak today. I'm going for weakness. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to aim for weakness. Goal mad. Nobody wants to be weak. We love the ideal of being strong. We watch superhero movie after superhero movie. The Flash came out this last week. Just because we like to see strength, do we not? Now, when I was young, we didn't have that. We had Jason and the Argonauts and... That sort of thing. We we had people with swords fighting battles in in days gone by. We love that. But all of these movies that we watch and all these books that we read have have to do with people who were courageous, who 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 chose to be strong. I know I've told you that my father and grandfather were barbers, and I grew up in a barber shop, and in the barbershop, Dad always had a huge collection of comic books. Oh, if I'd only kept those. <laughs> I guarantee my grandfather had a number one copy of Superman. Oh, if I could just go back in time and tell my granddad, would you save that for me? I really would appreciate that for my retirement. a <laughs> number one copy of Batman. Those are so expensive and so valuable now, crazy as it is. So we had all these comic books and in the back of the comic books, they had things you could buy, sea monkeys and order. Uh, there was a cardboard submarine you could order and all kinds of good things. And I know I've told you before there was, cause I was a skinny little kid. I mean, I was skinny. I was so skinny, we'd go into the local store and Mr. Crouch, at Mr. Crouch's grocery store, this is back when we had grocery stores that were mom and pop owned before Walmart. I'm that old, pre Walmart. <laughs> Uh, that Mr. Crouch would give me candy. He would give me food because I was just so skinny. He was worried about me. So I was a skinny little kid. And so they had the article in the back and they had these these, these cartoon pictures of of this product that was to be sold, Mr. Olympia or whatever it was. And it was this skinny guy at the beach getting sand kicked in his face. you remember the, the one? No, that was me. That was the skinniest kid in school. And then he, he ordered the product. He he worked out, and then the last picture is him at the beach, and he's a big, strong guy. Nobody's kicking sand in his face now. I love that. Oh, that was my dream. How many of you and I, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but how many of you have not joined a, a club, a weight club, where you go in, you lift weights, Open 24 hours a day, super convenient. You're going to get strong. We're going to get pumped up. How many of us have not had that dream? Or you buy weights. We had this amazing weight set I bought at a sporting goods store when I first came here. We had it in our bedroom at the parsonage back here for years. We hung all of our clothes on it. (laughs) Never used it. But we had the dream, we wanted to be strong, but most of us don't look like that. We don't look like Captain America or Wonder Woman because we don't put in the hours that are needed to be strong. And so here Paul is just saying, be strong. We say, okay, yeah, whatever, all right. Well, Paul is talking about a different kind of strength. It's important to note that Paul is not giving us the option. This is a directive, it is a command. He doesn't say, if you can, be as strong as you can. Do the best you can. If you're not strong, that's okay. Paul is giving us a command, be strong. In the Lord, God has called us to be strong. It doesn't matter how young or old or what your fitness shape is right now, spiritually, you can be strong. In the spirit of God, not only can we be, we are called to be that. He gives us that directive, be strong. Are you being strong? Strength is not in numerical size. It's not lots of people and lots of dollars and lots of programs in our church. Strength is knowing who we are and whose we are so that in the middle of any storm, in the face of any challenge, we will not fall apart. Be strong. Once long ago, a circuit riding preacher named Peter Cartwright was about to deliver a sermon and was told that President Andrew Jackson was in the audience and he was asked quietly to keep his comments inoffensive. (laughs) So when he got up to preach, this true story, Peter Cartwright was his name. When he got up to preach, one of his comments was, I've been told that Andrew Jackson is in the congregation and I've been asked to guard my remarks. What I must say is that Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. After the service, true story, Andrew Jackson walked up to Cartwright and said, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world. Because he was willing to stand strong. Now I know this is Pride Month. I don't know why. Uh, there's, There's a need to push it in everybody's face. And, you know... The world is gonna do what the world is gonna do. I'm not, I'm not gonna stand up here and just bash what the world does. It's, we read God's word, we know what's right and what's wrong and what God teaches. And, and to stand firm in those principles, absolutely. But for me to just get up here and bash the world, the world is a lost place. They don't know. They don't know. But at the same time, I don't want it pushed in my face. I don't push Jesus. When's Jesus month? I think if they get a pride month, Jesus should get a month. Yes. You know, but they wouldn't want us to have a Jesus month because they don't want us pushing Jesus in their face. They want, they want to put their, push their agenda in our face. And if we don't get on board, then we are to be lambasted and slandered. That's an odd thing. There's no redhead month. I'm offended. <laughs> You know, why do we have to have a, why do we have to do that? Push certain issues, but not other issues. Those don't qualify. That's odd that we do that. So um, I say that to say, I've seen many videos in recent years and have read many news reports of parents and even students speaking to school boards and city councils, usually concerning books in the school or public library that are pornographic And almost always the speakers are Christians who, not always, but most of the time, they're Christians who are upset, even outraged at the material that's made available specifically to children, young children. But I saw one recently that really stood out to me, not just because of what the speaker says, but also what he does not say, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. He's a minister. His name is Patrick Wooten. And he spoke to his local school board about certain books in the local elementary school libraries that deeply trouble him. In so doing, and he gets away with, uh, uh, he's a grandfather, wise old preacher by the way, he decided on his own, to make a pride flag using the rainbow, but instead of gay pride, it's Jesus pride. Notice he doesn't bash gay pride in here, he doesn't go there, he simply talks about Jesus. And I like the way he approaches it. He is brief, direct, courageous, and even courteous. Watch this clip of someone standing strong and sharing his convictions.
1: You for this opportunity to speak and I want to take the time to first wish everybody a happy Jesus Pride month. For the month of June, we have designated this month uh, to Jesus Pride because we love the Lord and we believe in biblical principles and uh, uh, and we're glad to wish you a Jesus Pride as you wish the rest of us a Pride. Uh, happy Pride month. Now, I'm standing before you today as a grandfather. I got to have wonderful grandkids. I have one who is in the age group of this book when Aiden became a brother. And uh, when Aiden was born, everyone thought he was a girl. But once he came out as a trans boy, Aiden and his parents Fixed the parts of his life that didn't fit anymore, and he settled happily into being himself. Aiden didn't feel like any kind of girl, he was really another kind of boy. Now, this book is for kids five year olds, six year olds, so forth, and so on. And um, this book is available in 31 elementary schools in our county. This is garbage. And whoever is responsible for this ought to be ashamed. And I want to say this. There is a judgment day coming. But there is evidence that the God of the Bible is passing judgment. When God passes judgment, you know what he does? He gives people over to vile affections, vile thoughts. When they reject his truth and decide no matter what, they're going to believe what they want to believe anyway. You know what God says? He says, have at it. And it's evident that in many cases I'm seeing judgment pass because there is no way anyone in their right mind can argue that the things that we're hearing today that's being placed in our high schools, elementary schools, middle schools for kids to hear and read and practice has anything to do with making them better, making America better, making our neighborhoods better. This is trash. I pray that to the extent that you can, you will rise up against this. There ought to be something in us that will make us want to protect the hearts and minds and even the appetites of our children. And many of them have no sexual appetite at all until they read this. Why are we sexualizing our children? I'm as angry about this as I can be. And I pray that you will consider uh, our words and give our children a chance. They're not sex toys and they're not your kids. We want to leave raising the children to the parents. Thank you, Thank you very much. Our next speaker is... Now, there are several reasons
0: I really like that particular speech uh, in contrast to other speeches that I've seen uh, to school boards. And maybe you've spoken to the school board when our first service dismissed this morning. I had one of the ladies tell me that she spoke to our city council once about a book that was in our public library, and it was very pornographic. It was a picture book, and she was just stunned and shaken to the core when she opened that book and saw what was available to even our small children can check that out, and any child can go in and look at it. And she said she was lambasted, not by the city council, but on the residents' page, on Facebook. Uh, citizens of Azle who, are, who are, firmly believe that that kind of graphic stuff should be shown to our children. And here's the point. Just because they have an opinion doesn't mean that you're not entitled to your opinion. That somehow this, this culture has been created that it's their job to espouse whatever they want to say and it's our job to shut our mouth and take it. You don't have to take it. And I, so I liked what he, he was to the point, it was not a lengthy speech, uh, but it was a powerful speech. Now I'm not saying that legally adult people can't pursue whatever they want to choose in life. I can't stop them anyway. You can't stop them. If they want to pretend that they're another gender or no gender or many genders or simulate another gender through surgery or pills or makeup, that's up to them. But if they want to force me to say it's good or healthy or true and that the Bible is wrong, then I cannot and I will not do that. Or if they want to push it on our children, and that is where we have to draw the line. It does make me feel very sad. I know they're looking for their identity in the wrong place, and as I've said many times, our identity is not in our gender. It's not in our attraction to others. It's not in our feelings. Our identity is in Christ. Whether you're lost or saved, our identity is in Christ. And the concern that I have is if we seek our identity in our gender or anything else, in our looks, in our money, or wherever we may look for identity, it's not there. That is ultimately going to be empty. And I've seen, and I know you have too, so many already on television that have had gender change surgery and they deeply regret having the surgery because it didn't bring them the joy that they thought they could have. And now they can't reverse it. So apart from the Bible, what do we have? And by the way, again, if you want to have pride, I like the word pride. Have pride in the fact that you were created in the image of God. That's something to be proud of. Did You know the Bible says you were created in the image of God? That's way better than gender or money or looks or anything else. You are created in the image of God Almighty. Have pride in that. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes in our culture now. And by the way, that was what was said at the beginning of the story of Noah. There becomes not one single standard above us. We just make up whatever standard we want in this nation. Other countries make up their own standards of what they think is right. Everybody has a different standard. And then what do you have? This generation has one standard. The next generation changes that and changes that and changes that. And down and down you go. And if we don't embrace that standard, as bad as it may be, then we become the target. And nobody wants to be a target. I don't want to be the target either. So we're tempted to lose our courage. Now I'm not trying to convince you that we should storm the gates and force our beliefs on this country or our world. It won't work. This is a dark place. It's always been a dark world and always will be apart from Christ. But I am saying that we should have the courage to stand our ground. There are four reasons I want to give you real quick that I wrote down that we lose our courage. Number one, we become the minority. We've been spoiled in our country because we've been the majority now for the last 70 years. Since World War II, we really have had a strong Christian presence in our nation and even in our government, and that is not increasingly not the case anymore. And when we become the minority, we just kind of want to give up. Number two, we are mocked and falsely accused and shamed into silence. I don't want to be called homophobic. A phobia or transphobic, that word phobia is a psychological term for people who have psychological disorders. Just because we agree, immediately we're called names. And nobody wants to be called names, and so we're just kind of shamed into silence. Number three, we get tired of fighting. Do you not? Now, I've never fought on the battlefield. My father fought in World War II. And I guarantee he could get up and give a testimony, if you were alive today, about how tired they were much of the time. They were exhausted. How many foxholes did he dig? How How many bullets whiz by you and you just become exhausted of fighting? And there are days that you feel like you're just fighting in vain. It's just not getting anywhere and you just get tired of fighting the fight. So we just give up. And then lastly, there's fear. We become afraid of what other people will do, what other people will think in this world. So that brings me to the final directive that Paul gives the Corinthians. Interestingly, in the next verse, and I put this up there because I think it's very important. I added this verse, verse 14. In the midst of all of this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. But then he says this, do everything in love. I told you a while ago, I was impressed with a video, not just because of what it says, but what he doesn't say. Did you notice what he didn't say and what he didn't do? He never got bitter. He never became hateful. He never mocked anybody, made fun of them. Did you notice that? Now, there are speeches out there that where they do that, where they go after somebody by name or they, they unintentionally, perhaps, begun to ridicule or, or mock someone or become hateful. He didn't call anybody by name. He didn't belittle them. He said what he said firmly, but he said it in love. It's okay, I don't care what this secular world tells you, it's okay to disagree with each other in love. And it is possible disagree with each other in love. Jesus disagreed with so much that was around him, but he found ways to, to say it in a loving tone and in a loving heart that compelled people to change their life, not just turn them off. Whatever you do, do in love. Now, again, the secular world doesn't get that because they don't understand what love is. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the definition of love. And again, I told you at the beginning, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're never gonna fully understand the definition of love as it was created by God because God is love and that was manifest through his son, Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, whatever you say, speak to whatever counsel you need to speak to, but speak to them in a tone and an attitude of love. Mary Slessor was born in 1848 in Scotland And became a courageous missionary. Famous missionary, by the way. I don't know if you've heard of her. When Mary was a teenager, she volunteered to help organize a mission in the slums of Scotland. And despite her genuine and caring efforts, many of the people, the mission was designed to help oppose the work because they felt it avoided the real needs of the community, like improving salaries and working conditions. And that's not what she was creating the mission to do. On the way to one mission service, Mary found herself surrounded by a gang that was fed up with the lack of what they felt was real help that the mission had given. The leader of the gang began swinging a weight hooked to a cord at Mary's head. The weight came closer and closer to her until it brushed up against her face. But Mary stood her ground, and she remained completely still, looking ahead with courage and determination. Just as the weight was about to hit Mary with force, the gang leader stopped swinging it. He was amazed that a young church girl could show so much courage. Maybe because Mary had endured terrible abuse at the hand of her father as a young girl, she had the strength to stand up to the intimidation of that gang. At the mission, Mary learned to care for the outcasts, the sick, and the poor, Her desire to serve God by loving others grew stronger as she reached out to hurting people and faced the challenges of working a mission in the slums of Scotland. Her compassion, her wisdom, and her strength and courage grew. Mary felt God call her to reach out to the people who were not her own, so she left her home in Scotland to serve the people of Africa, and there she would spend her life. As she traveled to and through Africa, the courageous young woman had come to terms with the fact that even she had fears. And everybody here today, you have fears. There are things that would cause you to tremble. Mary had once refused to cross a field because there was a cow standing in it. She was terribly afraid of cows. (laughs) Mary was also terrified of crowds and public speaking. Once she was speaking at a mission meeting, she stopped and asked that all the men would get out of sight before she could continue. (laughs) Men intimidated her. They terrified her. While she was traveling by canoe, Mary would lie at the bottom of the boat in terror or sing loudly to endure the voyage. But she was willing to go through any fear, any terror, so she could share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Despite her fears, Mary became an advocate for the women of Africa and stood up against some terrible, cruel practices of the locals. For example, local customs, where she was, demanded that a mother of twins be put to death. They thought that was unlucky to have twins. And so they would put the mother to death along with the twins. Mary saved the lives of hundreds of mothers and their twins. One evening, Mary heard the screams of a young woman. She was tied to stakes on the ground. A man was preparing to scald her with boiling oil because the woman had given food to a starving slave man while her husband was away. That act of kindness almost cost her her life. The local laws demanded that the woman be punished for her offense. Mary ran to the screaming woman and put herself between the woman and the man holding the oil because she had courage. The man danced around Mary, threatened to pour the oil on her. Despite the boiling oil and the size of the man, Mary stood her ground. Finally, the man backed down and the woman was saved. Mary saved countless other lives, and she worked to end fighting between tribes and spread the message of Christ throughout Africa. By showing the courage to face her fears, Mary brought real and lasting change to African society, and she brought the love of Jesus Christ to them. Be on your guard. Stand firm. Have courage. God will deliver you. Be strong. God calls you and expects you and empowers you to be strong in the Lord through his spirit. And above all, be kind and be loving in that strength. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for these two brief verses and how much they say and how powerful they are. Help us to stand strong to realize that this world is constantly tempting us to compromise, to give up and to give in, to quit. And we just become discouraged. We get tired of fighting the good fight. And we allow other voices to take control. Oh, forgive us. You have called us to stand strong. Help us to be strong. Strengthen our faith today through your spirit right now grant us power from on high to do what must be done, to say what must be said. But Father, we ask and pray in your name that whatever we do and whatever we say is done in the spirit of love and in the words of love, that we can lift up and not tear down, that we can build and not destroy. This dark world doesn't understand that kind of strength and love they move immediately to hatred and to bitterness, to mean-spiritedness. There's a lot of that going around, Father. Don't let us be a part of that. Let us stand strong, be firm, just like this pastor in this video, that we share our convictions, but we should do so respectfully Only Christ can give us that kind of strength. Only your spirit can share that with your people that we can be a light to this world. Help us today to be courageous. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today to do that very thing? Go to your God right now and say, God, I pray for strength. Help me to be courageous. Will you be willing to do that right now? God, give me courage. And maybe God is calling you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You want to come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to join. Or you just want to come and kneel and pray, God, grant me the courage that I need to face the trials that I'm facing. God will give you strength if you'll ask. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ. You want to come down and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. How do I do? God is speaking right now. This invitation is true. Would you stand? No one's looking around. And as you pray and as you stand, right now, you come.